Welcome to Reader, I Murdered Him, the podcast where we transform fake crimes into true crime. And for the month of December, all of those crimes will be golden age crime holiday classics. But don't forget, this podcast isn't spoiler free. So listen at your own risk. wondered how the other half lives during the Christmas season? While the rest of us are trying to clean up our houses enough to invite over friends and relatives to share the day, or trying to pack our most festive clothes into a suitcase that, despite all of our best efforts, will leave them wrinkled when we finally arrive at the newly aired out guest rooms of relatives we only see a couple of times a year, after we've spent hours waiting for our bags to finally appear on the baggage carousel at a crowded airport. They are arriving to hotels with concierge service, totally unmust, after an international flight. And their destination isn't the house of some great aunt who refuses to let you change the thermostat. It's a hotel, isolated from the rest of the world, offering the absolute best in winter leisure. And when it comes to hotels for the rich and important, none is more dignified than the Edelweiss in Switzerland. But when you choose to isolate yourself on a remote mountaintop in the Swiss Alps, surrounded by snow and staff and very little else, you're also accepting some risk. But when annual guest Mr. McAvoy came to stay with his wife over the Christmas holiday, he never expected it would be his last visit. Or that he would be pushed from the window of his room to his death in the snow below. While it was never conclusively proven what happened to Mr. McAvoy on that fateful afternoon, guests at the Edelweiss have no trouble coming up with their own scenario. One that puts the blame firmly on the shoulders of his wife, Irene. So when Irene shows up dressed all in black for Christmas celebrations just a year after her husband's death, there's bound to be gossip. But Irene isn't the only unexpected guest at the Edelweiss this year, and the presence of two of London's most distinguished detectives might just mean it's time for an exoneration in the court of public opinion. I'm Risa P, and this is The Mysterious Death of Mr. McAvoy. The Edelweiss Hotel may not be the most glamorous hotel for the rich to while away their winter holidays, but it's certainly the most isolated. Surrounded on all sides by an endless horizon of snow, regulars lovingly call it the Ocean Liner because it looks like the hotel is adrift in a sea of white. And sure, there may be small cottages of locals dotting the surrounding hillside, with residents bracing themselves against the cold to bring wood inside for their fires. But the locals and the guests of the Hotel Edelweiss rarely intermix, each looking on the other as an oddity in an otherwise familiar habitat. And the hotel isn't just surrounded by pristine snow. It also boasts some of the best and most challenging ski slopes in Switzerland, keeping hotel guests busy all day trying to tackle black diamond runs and showing off for each other. 
And if you're not a skier, the Hotel Edelweiss ensures you won't be left out in the cold. The back of the hotel boasts an enormous ice skating rink available to guests at all hours. And the inside of the hotel is home not only to the guest rooms, but a lounge and five-star restaurants. But the most sought-after pastime at the Hotel Edelweiss isn't anything that can be found on the official itinerary. Although you can drop in on it over a whiskey-spiked hot chocolate or bottle of wine between runs on the slopes. Or while passing by whispering tables at a dinner service running late. Because the winter regulars of the Hotel Edelweiss love to gossip. And on one particular Christmas in the 1910s, there is only one topic of conversation worth having between sips. Irene McAvoy. And what she's doing back at the scene of the crime. Just like our case last week, the case of Irene McAvoy and her husband isn't famous because it's a particularly intriguing case, but it stuck around in the canon of crime because of the detective who solved it. Although in the case of Irene McAvoy, her husband's death wouldn't be solved on the spot. In fact, it would take a full year before the mystery surrounding her husband's death was finally put to rest and her own good name officially cleared. So who is the detective who came to her rescue? None other than the iconic Sherlock Holmes of Baker Street. Because even London's finest minds have to have a winter holiday. But before we look at Holmes and Watson's role in getting this case solved, we need to determine what this case actually is. And that's a lot more complicated than it might sound for something that was supposedly open and shut. So here are the facts of the case as they were known at the time. Mr. McVoy had been a regular at Hotel Edelweiss. He was a rich and desirable bachelor, but he had a bit of a reputation for getting into scandalous situations with young women at every station, from chambermaids to well-off widows, even rumors of some affairs with the bored married women of the Edelweiss set. He was pretty non-discriminate in his choice of illicit partners, and he was always very generous to secure their discretion from favors to cash gifts. But this year, Mr. McVoy has shown up with a wife, albeit a rather scandalous one. Irene McAvoy is on her second marriage, the young widow of a prince and a former professional opera singer. She's gorgeous, and there's no doubt why Mr. McAvoy might want her on his arm. But more confusion about what Irene might have seen in him to make him husband material. Other than his fortune. But as the winter holidays go on, the couple actually makes a good impression on the rest of the regulars, and Irene is brought into the fold. The McAvoys seem to be, by all accounts, having a lovely time at the Edelweiss, just like everyone else. But then, there's an accident. The only person who actually witnesses the event in progress is a young girl named Jessica, who was between 11 and 12 at the time. Her last name was held back from any official records for her privacy. But here's her exact statement as given to Sherlock Holmes and recorded by Dr. Watson a year later. 
there was no written statement taken from her at the time of the event. Jessica goes on to tell Holmes, I was just standing here. I was waiting for Mother and Amanda because we were going out for a walk and Amanda had lost one of her gloves, as usual. I heard him shout no and then I saw him falling. He hit the roof over the dining room and came sliding down it. The snow started moving as well, so he came down with the snow, and all the rest of the snow came down on top of him, so you could only see his arms sticking out. The arm wasn't moving, but I didn't know he was dead. Now there are multiple other witnesses once the body is on the ground, and it doesn't take long for the adult to shoo Jessica away from the scene and pronounce Mr. McAvoy is dead. But beyond the shouted no, there's no other evidence that McAvoy was murdered. It just seems obvious that he didn't jump intentionally, and both hotel staff and guests can't believe it was an accident. You see, the McAvoys were staying on the top floor of the hotel, and their room, as well as every other room on that floor and the one below it, had a balcony with an iron railing to allow guests to walk out and take in fresh air and a view of the mountains. So for Mr. McAvoy to have fallen over the side, he would have had to be pushed. And there's a lot of speculation as to what that no might have meant. It could have been that he was the victim of theft, that he'd gotten caught up in something that got out of control, gotten in a fight with someone who took things too far. All pretty valid guesses, but ones that are quickly ruled out by hotel staff and local police because there weren't any unregistered visitors to the hotel that day, and the amount of snow and the hotel's relative remoteness would make it nearly impossible for someone not a guest at the hotel to get there, kill someone, and then get away without being seen. And this just leaves the guests and staff at the hotel as suspects. And suspicion falls almost instantly on Irene. She was the only other person with keys to the room. She stood the most to gain from her husband's untimely demise. And while she seems upset over her husband's death, she isn't as distraught as people believe she should be over the whole thing. So while local police don't find any evidence to point to Irene as the killer, and in fact rule the death as a murder by misadventure, Irene is still convicted in the court of public opinion, and the guests at the Hotel Edelweiss are sure to bring that conviction back with them to London on the wings of gossip. But Detective Sherlock Holmes isn't one to deal in gossip. He knows Irene, loves her music, and simply doesn't believe she'd kill her second husband after the upsetting death of her first. And so the next year, he decides to take a trip. Are you looking for the perfect present for your hard-to-buy-for second cousin? Or something other than stuff for your family? Especially because you've just gotten done minimalizing your house and you can't go back to the way you lived before? Well, we have the perfect gifting solution. Give the gift of an experience this season with a gift card to Scarebnb, the number one travel destination for vacationers whose tastes can best be described as strange and unusual. 
From haunted hotels in the hills of Colorado to true crime destinations in the Swiss Alps, all of our rentals are ranked not according to accommodations, but by how terrified you'll be after your first night away from home. Forget about rentals filled with pinhole cameras and bait-and-switch listings. And instead, book a truly terrifying weekend away from the very beginning. Scarebnb, you don't belong here. You should never have come. But Holmes and Watson aren't the only ones who decide to head to the Hotel Edelweiss the year after Mr. McAvoy's death. Irene McAvoy refuses to hide in her home like a murderess who got away with it, and she makes a public appearance at the hotel, being sure to not only arrive after all the regular guests have come, but to as good as announce her presence by bursting onto the ice rink when it's empty and twirling her way across the center of the ice making it clear that she will not be ashamed into staying away. Not that it has much effect on the other guests, who continue to give her the cold shoulder. All except Holmes and Watson, who treat her with every respect. But Holmes knows that working a case a year after it's happened isn't going to be easy even for him. And what he needs more than anything else is an eyewitness who hasn't been biased by public opinion someone whose vision of that day isn't clouded by their own biases and judgments. And lucky for Holmes, Jessica's family are also Hotel Edelweiss regulars, and he enlists her help in recreating the events of that faithful day. He has a fair number of doubts about the popular series of events. Irene McAvoy was strong, but slight, and her husband was a large, portly man. It would have taken a tremendous amount of strength for her to have pushed her husband over the balcony with enough force for him to suffer any kind of damage. And that was if he wasn't fighting back. But even if she did, if she did somehow manage to get her husband off the balcony over the railing, the snowfall at that point in the year was quite substantial. And if Mr. McAvoy had fallen from his balcony, the way the balcony was positioned would have him landing in the snow on the second tier of the roof, not all the way onto the terrace where he was found. It wasn't a fall that would have killed him. The only way for Mr. McAvoy to have died from a fall from a hotel room window was if he'd been on the second floor, the only floor of the hotel with guest rooms that don't have balconies, but that do overlook the terrace. And not from the fourth floor where his room was located and where everyone has presumed he fell from. But Holmes knows he'll need to do more than just explain physics to the guests of the Hotel Edelweiss to get them to believe him. So he plans to stage a demonstration. At this point in his holiday, Holmes has already established himself as a bit of a hotel celebrity. Not only because people have heard about him and his work as a consulting detective, but because he is an expert skier that puts even the instructors at the Edelweiss to shame. He can take curves and jump hills like someone who isn't just a pro, but someone who doesn't fear death. 
So the Edelweiss guests are more than happy to go outside and see what homes might have in store for them. Although no one really expects for him to throw himself out of the hotel fourth floor window. But the drop goes exactly as Holmes hypothesized it would. He falls to the snow on the outcropping below, picks himself up, dusts himself off, and proves that even if Irene McAvoy had pushed her husband, which it is now apparent that she didn't, it wouldn't have killed him. And this exoneration is enough for Irene. The mood towards her changes instantly as all the Edelweiss gossips about face and treat her as though they'd never thought she could do such a thing in the first place. But it still doesn't answer all of Sherlock Holmes's questions. Namely, what was Mr. McAvoy doing in a room on the second floor of the hotel? And why did he shout no just before he fell? For these questions, Holmes goes back to his junior detective, Jessica, and he asks her to think if any members of the staff have left since her visit last year. And Jessica can only remember one, a maid named Eva, who Jessica remembered because she'd always sing to herself as she changed the sheets. And after some digging, Holmes learns that Eva has left service because she's gotten married to one of the former underporters named Franz who now runs a small business running hotel guests down to the small main street in his pleasure carriage. A horse-drawn carriage that is black, sleek, and really more expensive than anything an underporter might have been able to save up for. Which opens up a whole new avenue of questioning. How do an underporter and his beautiful new wife get enough money to start their own business? Were they involved in something underhanded? Stealing from the guests? Or the simplest of solutions? Was the beautiful young Eva the beneficiary of one of Mr. McAvoy's generous cash gifts in exchange for her discretion? It doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to deduce that a chambermaid would have had easy access to the rooms on any floor particularly ones that were unoccupied. Or that Mr. McAvoy might go through great lengths to avoid being discovered in a compromising position should anyone else try to access that room in the middle of a scene that would surely be scandalous. And what better place to hide than an exterior balcony? Except, of course, the rooms on the second floor had no balconies. But because there are no official charges in the death of Mr. McAvoy, there is also no official records of Irene McAvoy's exoneration of his murder, or the true events surrounding the circumstances of his death. But if there were ever a detective to take it as word, it would be Sherlock Holmes.
Thank you for listening to Reader, I Murdered Him. Today's episode was based on the short story A Scandal in Winter by Gillian Linscott. This story was originally published in 1996 in the Homes for the Holidays anthology, but I read it in the 2013 anthology The Big Book of Christmas Mysteries, edited by Otto Pinsler, which is the anthology where I'll be getting all the stories for this month's slate of festive fugitives. So if you're looking for a great crime collection to keep you warm through the month of December, or for a gift for the crime lover in your life, this is one I'd recommend. While A Scandal in Winter isn't an original Sherlock Holmes mystery, I loved the way Lynn Scott captured the Holmesian attitude, focusing on how Holmes's sense of pure certainty and reason was almost like a superpower, allowing him to perform feats even brave and talented sportsmen were too scared to try. And if Sherlock Holmes adaptations are your thing, this anthology has a whole section dedicated to them, because it wouldn't be the golden age of crime without a heavy dose of Holmes and Watson. If you want to keep in touch with me between episodes, you can email me at readerimurderedhimpod at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram at the stay-at-home creative. All those links can be found below in the show notes. If you like this podcast, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts or share it with a friend. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. And don't forget to come back next week for another episode. Salvis Mr. Lee.